Now turn with me this morning, just for a Bible reading, I'm not going to preach in this subject, to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through to 11. And just to sort of whet your appetite, uh, Romans chapter 5 is really all about the, the blessings and benefits of justification. At the moment in the Bible class, we're looking at great gospel words and trying to instill some understanding and thinking into the minds of some of our young people about words like justification, regeneration and faith as to what they actually mean and um, trying to give them a little help. And we were dealing this morning with justification. So um, I mentioned this chapter in closing. There, there are seven blessings and seven benefits in the chapter one of them, of course, is the blessing of access to God, and that's what our theme will be uh, this morning, at least uh, in continuing our thoughts and prayer. So let's just read Romans chapter 5, and we'll read right through to verse 11. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, <coughs> knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Amen. May the Lord bless his word to your heart. Now my text today is taken from 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, given honour unto the wife and unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now our text this morning is really those words, that your prayers be not hindered. So you've got the text, you've got the theme, we're taking a further look at the subject of prayer. Last week I set before you two points in prayer. One the assumption of prayer. The Apostle Peter assumes that the Christian couple will pray. Here's a subject now, the Christian home. The lifestyle of a Christian wife I set before you, First Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. The lifestyle of a Christian husband, uh, dealing primarily with verse 7. Picture them 
living before the Lord, putting the Lord first, the Lord second, the Lord third, the Lord fourth, the Lord at the center of all that they do. And now Peter begins to climax his message, not only by reminding them that they're heirs together of the grace of life. You've got to understand that this uh, husband and wife that he's thinking about, um, they're born again of the Holy Spirit. They've been washed in the blood. They're genuinely saved. And he wants to mention uh, and highlight something about their devotional life. Here's one of the things that this Christian couple does together. They pray that your prayers be not hindered. And remember what we said last week. You cannot be a true Christian if you do not pray. There's no such thing as a prayerless Christian. Prayer is one of the proofs that you are genuinely and truly saved. And if you want an illustration, just think of Saul of Tarsus, Ananias. He was a doubter. He didn't believe that, that Saul was saved. Lord, how could that boy be saved? Look at what he's done against the church. What did the Lord say? Acts 9 verse 11. Behold, he prayed. He had said prayers before. Mechanically. But now he's changed. He's converted. And one of the signs of life is he's offering prayer to God. You can't be truly converted, neither as a man or a woman, if you don't pray to the Lord. Praying to the Lord is a, is a sign. It's an evidence of life. That's the first thing we said. We said, secondly, access in prayer. That your prayers be not hindered. This Christian couple had access to God in prayer. And we said that the true Christian enjoys access to God in prayer. It's unique. We said it's only one way of access to God through the personal work of Christ. First um, Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, For there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. We talked about Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. Uh, how, how do we enter into the presence of God, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus? That's the ground of our access. We don't come in our name, we come in his. We, we, we don't come in our merits, for, for our merits are sinful. We come in the merits of Christ. And if we're born again and reconciled to God and legally declared righteous, then we've got a right of access to the throne of grace. It's already been established once for all in Christ. And what we need, of course, is a fresh view of Christ on the throne, a, a great, glorious, gracious high priest. We said not only that it's unique, but we said it's unhindered. That your prayers be not hindered. You see, the devil will try to hinder you when it comes to prayer. It's a fact. The devil hates to see the weakest saint, I believe, on his knees or, or offering prayer to God. And how can we be overcomers? We turn to Revelation 12 and 11 and we answered that by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. Coming to God and saying, Lord, I'm a child of thine. And we come pleading the blood, Lord, I'm standing in the finished work. And in the ground of the blood and by the word of our testimony, 
We can be overcomers. You see, we can come to God at any time, in any place, in all circumstances, in all situations. We come the way of the cross. We come via Christ. We come pleading the blood. We come with the word of testimony. Lord, I'm yours. Lord, I'm your child. Lord, hear me. And we talked about that in depth last week. Now, thirdly, and this was the point where we left off, the attack and prayer. You see, Peter remembers a realist. He, he lives in the real world. He, he's got his finger on the pulse of the life of God's people. He says that your prayers be not hindered. You see, Peter knew things that would hinder prayer. And I can just imagine Peter in the first century, if he's visiting the church, maybe giving a sermon on hindrances to prayer. You see, the word prayers here is very revealing. It means a pouring out of the heart. It speaks of intensity of longing. It speaks of a, a deep desire. Okay, the word hindered here means a roadblock. So, so when you have got this intense longing to pray and this deep desire put there by the grace of God in your heart and you open your mouth and begin to cry out to the Lord, all of a sudden a roadblock can be thrown up before you. It can cut in to what you're attempting to do. Your, your way is going to be impeded. Some of the commentators talk about the word hindered mean breaking up the road in front of you. All of a sudden you're going along and something happens that you're stopped in your tracks. And as I've said, Peter's a realist. He knows there's things that hinder prayer. And he's saying to this Christian couple who are putting the Lord first that your prayers be not hindered. So not only do we think of the assumption they pray, not only do we think of the access, but we think of the attack on prayer. Now I've got a number of things that I want to mention to you. And I've got one reference for everything. And what I would like us to do this morning, if you've got your Bible with you, and I trust you have, is to look up these references together. What I will eventually do next month, the month of May, when we make out the bulletin, my brother Mark Strong's here, and we'll put these seven or eight things, this, these attacks on prayer, things that hinder prayer, on the bulletin. So you'll, you'll not only hear them, but you'll see them as well. Turn to Isaiah chapter 1 for a moment. Isaiah chapter 1, and look with me at verse 15. Isaiah chapter 1. Now I know this is a, a more spiritual exercise, and more it seems like a Bible study, but I trust that this will be helpful. Isaiah chapter 1, and look with me at verse 15. Okay, Isaiah 1 verse 15, And when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. So here's one of the things that hinders prayer. Unpardoned sin. When you make many prayers, I will not hear. Why? Your hands are full of blood. And what's God's advice? Wash you and make you clean. Here's a call. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. 
Seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Look at verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You see, we need our sin problem dealt with. Doesn't the Bible say in John chapter 1 verse 9, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now I want to ask a very pointed personal question this morning. Is your sin pardoned? Have you knelt before King Jesus? Have you cried out like the public and God be merciful to me a sinner? Have you prayed like Peter, Lord save me I perish? Because there's many sadly in this province this morning Roman Catholic, Protestant alike, and they have no thought or deep consciousness of their sin. Their sin is not a felt reality. They're they're not bothered about their sin. Even though the Bible says, and we read it in Romans 5, for all, or Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there's many this morning not conscious of their sinnership. And what do they need? They need a deep conviction. They need the work of the Holy Spirit to bring to them the realization, I have sinned and broken the law of God. Because that's what sin is. It's any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. And let that conviction lead to a confession. Lord, I have sinned against you. And let it lead to conversion. Be clean. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Are you here this morning and you still need that sin question dealt with? You know that you have a soul, you know you need to be saved, and you've never yet called on the Lord. And the obstacle to God-hearing prayer is unpardoned sin. Lord, I've never had my sin question dealt with. Notice secondly, unoffered prayer. Turn this time in the New Testament to James uh, chapter uh, 4. James chapter 4. James comes after Hebrews. James chapter 4. And listen to the last few words of James chapter 4. Verse 2, ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight in war. Now listen to this, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Here's the second hindrance to prayer. And it's unoffered prayer. You see, prayers unoffered cannot be answered. God says, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ask and ye shall receive. But if you don't ask, you're not going to receive. F.B. Meyer said the greatest tragedy in life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. That's where I got the idea, the thought. Unoffered prayer. You have not because you ask not. You see, prayerlessness is a big problem. (laughs) And we need to face up to it. And if in your Christian life you're prayerless, you've never had a 
a deep longing and a desire to go to God in prayer. And, and that's never been a, a burning issue or, or, or a thought that's uppermost in your mind. I need to go and talk to God. And if you have no desire to talk to God day after day, running into months and running into years, and you can look back and say, well, 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 well I, I got saved in that date. And, and here now, so many years on, I've never talked to God above. Then there's a problem. Imagine adopting the mindset, Jesus Christ is my Lord. He's my master. But you don't talk to him. Jesus Christ is my redeemer. He saved me. But there's not a word of thanks. You can't even sit in the settee at home or the chair and say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Remember, children, I've told you, that's where I learned to pray with that very expression in the prayer meeting in Coleraine. One of the women urged me to pray. And, and, and I said, well, I don't know what to say. And she said, aren't you saved? I said, yes. And she said, well, just say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. And I remember offering that, thank you, Lord, for saving me. But you've never done that. And he's your friend. Imagine saying to your friend, I don't want to speak to you. I never want to speak to you. I've got nothing to say to you. Or the friend comes to talk to you and you tell him to clear off your two pussy. You see, if, if that's the mindset, then you have got a big problem. Unoffered prayer. And there's many professing Christians. And that's a problem. It's unoffered prayer. You have not. Why? Because you never ask. You don't go and kneel before your Lord. You're not thankful that you've been saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and you don't see how valuable and wonderful thing it is. What a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, we always sing it. But is it a reality? You can go and talk to your friend privately about things. Thirdly, unconfessed iniquity. Turn over this time to Psalm 66 and verse 18. Psalm 66, verse 18. The Psalms is not too hard to find. Somewhere about the middle of the Bible. And we're turning to Psalm 66 and we're at verse 18. Now I'm giving you time to look up the reference because I want you to see it for yourself. Psalm 66, verse 18. It says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You see, the true Christian that has been genuinely justified will also have a yearning and a desire for God's holiness. He will hear the word of God that says, be ye holy, for I am holy. And he will adopt the mindset, God wants me to be holy in my life. In the things I say, in the things I do. That will apply to my conduct, my behavior. I will want the spirit of Christ likeness. John Owen said, and I quote, He who God truly justifies also 
sanctifies, because sanctification is an integral part. What God works in, God works out in the life. So the true Christian will long to be holy. He'd want to live in victory, and that will apply to his home life, in his family circle, even when sin affects him. And let's be honest, sin affects us all. Sin affects the preacher. Sin affects us on a daily basis. Remember what I said about the meaning of the word hindered? Cuts into, impedes apart. A breaking up of the road in front of you, creating an obstacle in the path. Paul, writing to the Galatians, asked the question, who hindered you? Who broke up the road in front of you? You were going well. You were coming on. See, we can have our access to God hindered by not facing up to sins in our life. Sin will affect us and sin can disrupt our calling on God. It affects our relationship with him. And God says, if you regard iniquity, then I'll not hear you. Sin must be confessed and dragged out into the open and dealt with. The fourth thing is uninterested hearing. Turn this time to Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 9. Proverbs 28 and verse 9. Now, all of these references deserve a sermon by themselves. But of course, in this sermon, we're just having an overarching view of the subject, hindrances to prayer. Uninterested hearing. Look at Proverbs 28 verse 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Aren't these awful words? See, prayer without the Bible is vile, it's useless. Think of a man who neglects his Bible. He's got a flippin' disregard for the word of God. He forgets that what I have is a God-breathed book. God has given me an infallible and inerrant and authoritative and sufficient word. The Bible tells us, give attention to reading. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, Blessed is he that readeth the words of the prophecy of this book. Yet, you know, I, I do feel, and I have to say this, let's be honest in the presence of God. Remember when Naomi Dudgeon was here, she talked about honesty. How many of us actually do read our Bibles on a daily basis? And is it not true that there's been neglect of Bible reading, especially in this past 30 and 40 years in the church? And individuals can profess to be saved 10, 20, 30 years, and yet they know so little of the rudiments of the Christian religion. Who is Jesus Christ? He's God in the flesh. How do we know that? What Bible reference could you give? Could you turn to 1 Timothy 3 and 16? Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Many other references where Jesus Christ is explicitly called God. John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 comes to mind. at Romans 9 and 4. And there's about nine others where he's explicitly called God. Where was he born? Bethlehem. 
How do we know that? The prophet said, Micah 5 and 2, Matthew 1. Think of the way that he lived. Think of the way that he died. Think of what happened as a result of what he died. What he accomplished and how that work supplied to us. You see, we've got to the stage now where inside the Christian church, and I'm not talking about apostasy now. I'm talking about evangelical churches. And there's been a failure to recognize the book for what it is. It's the word of God. And because we don't recognize the book for what it is and have a, have a reverence for it, there's not the reading of the book. And then there's not the regarding of the book. You see, he that turneth away his ear from hearing the law. The man has reached the point where he doesn't recognize it for what it is. He's not reading. He can't be bothered. He's fed up. And he's not regarding it. That means he's not obeying it. And it's a deliberate policy. It's a mindset turning away his ear. And because God says if you turn away your ear from the book, when you offer prayer, then your prayer is an abomination in my sight. We could cite many other references. Zechariah 7 and 13 that will not turn to. God says when they cry, I'm not going to hear. And the context is the people had refused to hear the word of God. They'd shut up their ears. They'd hardened their hearts to what God is saying. They were not taking it seriously. And you think we'll apply that. Could not be applied in a thousand areas. You even think of the big problem. The Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Only command with the only commandment with the word remember means to recall to mind. 